there she is, right there. That's me at Thermopolis. Glamour, romance, fame. Mia Thermopolis had it all, but only in her dreams. As always, this is as good as it's gonna get. Her real life was completely ordinary. You're way tense. But now, something's about to happen. Your grandmother called. This is the first time she's ever contacted us. What you want? That will change everything. I am queen of Genovia. Whoa, whoa. And you are princess. Shut up. Yeah, uh, the good news about this movie is Genovian is not an actual ethnicity, so whatever you say about Genovians is actually not racist, and it's okay. I am so glad. You know, I, I'm thinking about it, and I'm like, I wonder how they handled COVID, and I'm like, that's not real. <laughs> <laughs> Dove sounded down, trodden and dejected, crestfallen, grief-stricken and exhausted, trapped in my room while the house was burning to the motherfucking ground. I saw the sign, but it was misleading. I thought the love of the love was Hey, everyone, and... Thank you for coming to uh, this episode of Probably Shoulda, the podcast celebrating comedy that has aged very poorly. My name is uh, Tony Ginocchio. I am joined, as always, by the woman who taught me grace and poise shortly before the Genovian Independence Day ball. It's Nadia Vasquez. Being referred to as a woman is throwing me. <laughs> I'm, like, very much in my 30s, and I'm like, I'm a woman? <laughs> Thank you. Hello <laughs> and welcome. So I know you're all wondering what movie could they possibly be doing this week as part of the Disney live action series. I mean, it's only in the title they clicked on, but okay. Yes, it's, and, and you're actually probably not wondering that because it's the title of the show. We've already teased it on all the social media. <laughs> um, but it is a, a significant departure from our previous two selections because this one was actually successful. Yes, and, it was. And people actually liked it. Uh, so uh, we're watching The Princess Diaries from 2001, directed by legendary... Uh, television producer Gary Marshall, based, of course, on the YA novel by Meg Cabot, starring in her breakout role Anne Hathaway, in her comeback role Julie Andrews, Sandra Oh playing uh, Dr. <laughs> Gupta, and then Larry Miller as Paolo Putanesca. Yeah, don't forget Hector Elizondo. <laughs> yes, Hector Elizondo's in it, too. A great role for Hector Elizondo, actually. Um, this was, uh, Anne Hathaway was, I believe, 18 when they shot this. Um, it is Baby uh, half. my favorite uh, genre of film that we watch on the podcast, which is a film that I, you know, I think is generally very pleasant and enjoyable and fun to watch. And then when you turn it off and think for 15 seconds, you're like, wait, what the fuck yeah. is actually going on here? Wow, revisiting it in my adulthood, it was interesting. Yeah. It was, it, that shit drags on. <laughs> um, so, uh, you know, there's there's a lot going on in this movie, and, and, and you probably saw it, but uh, Anne Hathaway plays Mia Thermopolis. Uh, a 15-year-old uh, klutzy girl who isn't even hot and uh, <laughs> goes to high school in San Francisco. 
uh, and the is greatest very, city in the world. <laughs> very much an outcast, and uh, feels uh, feels like she's not in the in crowd. She's bullied by, of all people, Mandy Moore, uh, oh. who plays the uh, popular cheerleader girl, um, and then uh, her. Uh, and she lives with her mom. Her, her, she's estranged from her father, and actually, he dies uh, shortly before uh, the action of the film begins. Uh, Julie Andrews uh, is her grandmother, who comes uh, to visit her and says, "Just so you know, Anne Hathaway, uh, I am the <laughs> queen of this uh, obscure, small Western European nation called Genovia." Um, and because uh, the royalty has to pass down through blood succession, you are the princess of Genovia, and you're going to rule this country when I die. And so, but we need to make you way hotter before we can <laughs> let you do that. See, I don't feel like this is believable because have you seen the royal family? <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, that's the other thing. It's like just, just uh... the incredibly fucked genetics of the current <laughs> royal family. <laughs> <laughs> Unbelievable, but yes, go on. Uh, no, I mean, like, so she, so we have a lot of princess lesson, lessons. We have the first of, uh, first makeover scene that Anne Hathaway would do, and apparently she's done several in her career. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and she becomes, uh, well, she becomes Anne Hathaway basically, and uh, and then uh, you know, kind of through a series of mishaps and misunderstandings and uh, and love triangles. Um, she learns an important lesson about how royalty is not important and what's important is being true to yourself, which she then completely throws away at the very end of the movie when she decides, you know what? I'm going to be a princess anyway. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> there's a lot going on. <laughs> there, There's, I mean, like... We'll probably talk about it more in detail when we get to the scene, but, like, character's name is Mia Thermopolis, which is, like, if not explicitly Greek, definitely some sort of, like, Mediterranean-coded ethnicity, right? Sure. She's got pre-makeover in Hathaway, has bushy hair, and she Uh has heavy eyebrows. Right. And she wears glasses. So she's me. Well, yeah, I mean, like, it's like, she looks like... Uh, uh, like not only does she look like a normal person she looks like a relatively pretty good looking normal person i think this is the movie that convinced me that i had to straighten my hair right and and they're and they're just basically like you're not pretty until you look like the fucking westernist europeanist Mm -hmm standard of beauty we can imagine and literally when they pull away you know the the fucking uh the the little panels uh, and reveal the makeover like she looks like a cartoon disney princess yes she does her hair is humongous she's got so much makeup on so much so much makeup so much makeup it's uh infuriating honestly i'm realizing that i internalized this so much that i straightened my hair every single day from when i was 13 to when lockdown happened yeah i was like where did this come from and then watching that today i was like what (laughs) it's it's kind of fucked and kind it's of so appalling really and bad. kind of horrifying and I don't know if I ever want my daughter to see it but overall I still give the movie like a B plus 
Yeah, yeah, uh, I mean, it's a good, it's, it's fine. It's fine. It's just it's, very much a movie of its time. It's not an evergreen film at all. No. Um, and in fact, I think in particular, Anne Hathaway's performance is outstanding. I think she did a great job. And She's great. You only get a slight, tiny little glimpse into the theater person that she is and then becomes when she does Les Mis and right. wins the Oscar and does the speech. You Like, you could see it in there, but it's not out there yet. But you get a lot of, like like really funny physical comedy like yeah. when she breaks the statue i laughed at that and like when they're practicing waving and she's doing like the finger guns like that was really funny to me she was really you know when this came out i was watching a lot of disney channel and they did a lot of like behind the scenes sure. of this new movie we're doing and they made her out to be this like nobody that came out of nowhere <laughs> But she was, like, obviously a trained actor yeah. and was, like, going out for Broadway and shit. But the the whole idea behind, like, the Disney machine was that we found her and we plucked her out of obscurity and she's just this natural-born talent. And I honestly, like, it's believable. Sure. But she, she is very trained and it shows. <laughs> it's great. I think she's wonderful. She's, uh, she's awesome in this. And obviously Julie Andrews is going to do a great job with whatever you give her. Right. Yeah. Um, and this she, was not a lot of people could probably keep up with Julie Andrews the way that she did. Yeah. And uh, and I think I believe this is the first Disney movie Julie Andrews had done since like Mary Poppins, like had been oh. away from the Disney machine for decades. Ju- Julie and, you know, the story about Julie Andrews and Nadia, you probably already know this, but I'll tell the audience. Uh, she originated the role of Eliza in My Fair Lady on Broadway. And then when they made the movie of My Fair Lady, they said, fuck you, Julie Andrews. Nobody knows who you are. Uh, so we're going to put Audrey Hepburn, who can't sing, uh, <laughs> into this role. And Julie Andrews was like, well, shit, that really sucks. And then Julie Andrews got Sound of Music and Mary Poppins in the same year uh, and became, like, the biggest star in the world. <laughs> yeah. I mean, good for her. Yeah. Good, good for her. Good, good for, for her, her Julie Andrews. <laughs> And to this day, she still, I believe, narrates the fireworks show at Disneyland. Uh, oh, that's sweet. I wonder how old she is now. Because I know that we all keep tabs on Betty White because she's ancient yeah, and well, is in her 90s. But, like, nobody's – who's keeping tabs on Julie Andrews? Julie Andrews' age. She is 86. My goodness. Oh, my goodness. She. Uh, I mean, the last thing I think I saw her in was Princess Diaries 2. And I think that might be the last thing – she might have been in ah that's a good okay so we're gonna just kind of sidetrack here and just pull up her imdb real quick because you know she had um she had like surgery earlier in her life and she couldn't sing anymore um and i know that was a i know that was a big part of like why she kind of semi-retired um oh i didn't know that that's so sad she does well that's interesting she's the voice of lady whistledown in a series called bridgerton which is the oh my god yes (laughs) that's the horny shonda rhymes uh downton abbey which i keep forgetting the name of and i keep calling it cumfield hall (laughs) that's really good it is so horny but yeah i forgot she was the narrator for that and you know what you know what she is in she was she's in the shrek series She's uh, oh, she's the the queen. She yes, exactly. Uh, and, of course, and, okay. I haven't seen her. She's just being a voice, so that makes a lot of sense. I guess because I'm not British, like I, the their equivalent is Julie Andrews to Betty White. You know, Cause, yeah, that right. She's basically their their Betty White, probably. Yeah, 
Right. <laughs> so, I mean, their their actual Betty White is the fucking queen. But okay. <laughs> Let's be real. People really care about her. I'm just imagining, like, whatever the British SNL is, and, like, there's a petition to have the Queen host. <laughs> it's just Ab Fab. Yeah. Well, oh, yeah. Okay, yes, that's a good point. Uh, so, the point <laughs> it's is... It's so much better than SNL, but anyway. There's a, lo- there's a lot of talent in this movie, even with Larry Miller in Italian face, and I feel <laughs> that, uh, you know, that papers over a lot of the problems uh, with this movie, uh, in terms of, like, what it's about and the message that it has for young women. <laughs> yeah, it's very upsetting to watch now. But, you know, 2001 was a different time. It was a different time. Uh, this movie is celebrating its 20th anniversary this month, last month, maybe. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and Nadia, talk to me about 2001, and I will try to not make any 9-11 jokes for this episode. Oh, okay, because I was going to say elephant in the room. <laughs> It's a 9-11 year. <laughs> this came out pre-9-11, okay? It was 2001, okay. baby. Was, this was like a summer movie. I remember seeing this in theaters, I think. Yes. So I am back to my normal former current events. We don't have, we have never done a 2001 movie. So really? we get to talk about all of pop culture of that year. I'm very excited. Oh, yeah. Uh, cool. Yeah. So this was <laughs> the 9-11 year. Uh, Rudy Giuliani was named Time Magazine's Man of the Year. <laughs> Because Time Magazine still meant something back then. Um, (laughs) So did Rudy Giuliani. (laughs) So upsetting. Before 9-11, though, we were experiencing a very intense pop culture boom. Okay? We had, like, blogs were kind of new. So celebrity culture was getting a little more intense. We had Perez Hilton coming out. All of these, like avenues for getting into behind the scenes especially like the disney channel was doing a lot of like behind the scenes stuff so the biggest movies of that year were harry potter and the sorcerer's stone the lord of the rings the fellowship of the ring and shrek oh wow yeah those are some those are some heavy hitters heavy fucking hitters we were 13 that year um okay listen to the songs of that year top songs included destiny's child's independent women shaggy's it wasn't me Outcasts, Miss Jackson. We had Lady Marmalade by Pink, Maya, Lil Kim, and Christina Aguilera before she was Extina. And this would have been, and that would have been for Moulin Rouge, right? That would have been this year too, right? Exactly. Yep. And and it goes without saying, I can't talk about 2001 without mentioning Crazy Town's Butterfly (laughs) and Nickelback's How You Remind Me. (laughs) What a song. I couldn't even pick my favorites, go on Billboard and look up the top songs that year. It's like every CD I've ever owned is in this list. I feel like, you know how we've like kind of retroactively renamed Lose Yourself as Mom Spaghetti? Yeah! I feel like we should be doing that with Butterfly and just renaming it Come My Lady, Come Come My Lady. Yeah! (laughs) It's so funny. Listening to that song in 2001, like nobody was like, turn that off, Nadia. They were like, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> let's get this cd and i had it um unbelievable but the this was also the very first year that kids bought put out an album and they did a cover of smash mouth's all-star which of course also carry over to shrek <laughs> exactly uh in 2001 neopets was mm. the fourth most trafficked website on the internet it beat out google who was in number eight couldn't believe to hear that and of course i had to include some catholic news for you pal oh thanks 
Yeah, the Vatican broadcast its official public approval of Pokemon in oh, April okay. of 2001, claiming that the game was based on intense ties of friendship and lacked any harmful moral side effects, which I thought that was really sweet. That is nice. Still true today, I would argue. Still true today, yes. And this one goes out to my friend Pat. Uh, Cowboy Bebop was the first mm. anime to appear on Adult Swim. This was also the year that Angelina Jolie was in the tabloids quite a bit. She gave her brother a passionate, open-mouthed kiss on the Oscars red carpet. Okay, well, that's fucked. <laughs> and it overshadowed Bjork and her swan dress. Swan which was dress. the same event. It was the same event. What a f- what fucking chaos that was. It's just truly a chaos year, even before you get to 9-11. I uh, know. <laughs> And Mattel sold a Harry Potter Nimbus 2000 flying broom that vibrated when kids rode it, and it was pulled from stores after adult stores began selling it as a a different kind of toy, and I just want to let you know I had it. (laughs) (laughs) And it did vibrate, and I always thought it was a little weird. Um, 2001 was also the year that Nicole Kidman and Tom Cruise broke up, which created that huge meme of Nicole Kidman singing after she yes, gets after the divorce. That's how old that one is. Um, Britney Spears was huge at the time. She had just danced for, uh, with, wait, she had just danced to Slave for You at the VMAs with the Giant Python and walked the red carpet for the American Music Awards with Justin Timberlake in the all-denim outfits. Like, yeah. what a year for her. <laughs> uh, Aaliyah tragically died in a plane crash that year. Apple introduced the first ever iPod. Microsoft released the Xbox, the first one. And Aaron Carter beat Shaq. Like, what a year! <laughs> the last thing, though, that I want to bring up are the top shows. And okay. those, uh, number one, it was Friends. Sure, sure. Number, and then it was uh, two years before the end, so it was like peak frenzing. Peak frenzy. Uh, CSI was number two. ER was number three. Everybody Loves Raymond was number four. Great show. <laughs> followed by Law & Order. So uh, what a year. What a year for 2001, except for when 9-11 happened. Except for when 9-11 happened, and nobody's ever explained how Building 7 came down, even though it wasn't hit by a plane. Anyways, the... <laughs> Jet fuel camels. Yeah, jet fuel camels. So the 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 point is, uh, is chaos year. I remember very specifically because this is the summer before I started high school, uh, and uh, I remember seeing a lot of movies that summer and thinking a lot of them sucked for some reason. And I remember thinking this one was pretty good. Uh, yeah. And that was probably the last time that I uh, saw it before watching it for this show. And watching it for this show was uh, unsettling, I think, in some ways, um, but yeah. also fun. Um, yeah, it's um, this podcast does a lot of good for me because I get to hang out with you. I get to watch stuff that I wouldn't normally watch, but also it makes me hold a mirror to my younger self and be like, "You didn't have to believe this." <laughs> I, I would we still deserved say, better. And obviously, like, there's complicated things on standards of beauty here, which, like, wouldn't wouldn't have affected me, right, as much sure. as it would affect a young woman such as yourself in 2001. I mean, would Robert Schwartzman make you feel a little, you know, not cool because he plays instruments and is very handsome and all that stuff? Uh, I didn't know that was uh, Robert Schwartzman. I have him in my notes as soft boy. Uh, oh my but, god, it's Jason Schwartzman's brother, a.k.a. the singer of Rooney? 
Like, were you not into Rooney? I was not into Rooney. I did not watch a lot wow. of the OC, so. Uh, okay, you got to listen to Blue Side after this episode, right? <laughs> so, I will listen to Rooney after this episode. Um, but, like, yeah, confronting movies that I enjoyed uh, as a younger person. I mean, Garden State is kind of the, the primary example that I think was the hardest to do for this show. Really? I would have thought it was Wedding Crashers because you own that. Well, I own both of them, first of all. <laughs> I mean, I think everybody our age owns Garden State on DVD and, like, hides it yeah. when people come over. Yeah, it's like, they, they like, will will rush to hide it but forget to hide their porn collection. And then, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then their dinner guests are like, why is your porn collection here? And you're like, oh, that's just my porn. And in your head, you're like, thank God they didn't find Garden State. <laughs> Who still has porn lying about and not in some sort of digital Yeah, I actually format? do. <laughs> I'm like, what's wrong with you, dude? <laughs> um, so let's talk about the movie. Uh, so, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so um, we open on San Francisco. Uh, the greatest city in the world in that time. Not uh, now. And so we will get a cameo from the mayor later in the movie. <laughs> it's Gary Marshall calling in some very specific favors. Gary Marshall, by the way, uh, the second movie uh, we've watched uh, directed by him. The first movie, of course, being season one selection and movie where Giovanni Ribisi goes full R-word, the other <laughs> sister. No! I forgot that he... First of all, I forgot we watched that. <laughs> I, I forgot that he directed it. Never forget. Never forget. Never forget season one, probably shoulda. Never forget season one, probably shoulda. Um, so, yeah, so Gary Marshall joins our repeat offenders club. But, but, but the cool part about it is this starts out with a really great song. The soundtrack of this movie is amazing. It's very good. This Crystal Supergirl, uh, her first debut album called Me and My Piano, incredible. Didn't realize it was a Christian album until much later. <laughs> But that's always the worst. That's always like, oh, man. Like, I thought you remember that band, This Providence, that pop punk band. I was like, this guy, these guys are so good. I don't no. understand why. That's on likes you. Them. That's on you. It's called it says Providence in the name. That's on. I you. thought they were fucking from Rhode Island. <laughs> like, I was like, oh, cool. Anyway, but Crystal's day. She opened for the Backstreet Boys for the Black and Blue tour. She was incredible. And then just disappeared off the face of the earth. Her shit's like not on anything streaming, but it's on YouTube check it out and that's this is establishing the like vibe which is that mia thermopolis is supergirl man she's she's here to save the world uh and uh, also uh dating the film she rides a razor to school uh <laughs> and also her mom is like a, a amateur artist or something and so they live in a converted firehouse where yeah which her mom is soma is, yeah, transforming into a studio. So she, so Anne Hathaway slides down a pole every morning, says hi to her neighbor, Mr. Robitussin, which is what you name a sick cat, and then <laughs> goes to her uh, her preppy school uh, in San Francisco. Yeah, that her dad paid for, but we don't know much about her dad. Right. Neither does she. Neither does um, she. And so she gets to school, and what we learn about her at school is, one, she has a goth best friend, and two... <laughs> Uh, she's invisible. She's literally invisible. Multiple people sit on her because uh, they yeah. don't see her. There. Her delivery of somebody sat on me again is so funny. So natural, so good. And uh, she is pining over Eric Von Detten, who is such a like jerk 
little shithead. <laughs> the the, the like, extremes can, this movie like, goes. Pr- pretty boy, like very stereotypical. This is who someone who read like Tiger Beat would be into. Yes. The the lengths this movie goes to go from extreme to extreme of like type <laughs> is very intense. Like the the like soft boy emo guy that she is eventually going to end up with is couldn't be more different from this like popular dude also the bullying is so intense (laughs) i'm like holy shit i don't i feel like i feel like things now like a good example is never have i ever like the Mm -hmm. main character is the bully Mm-hmm. For the most part, like we kids today, they're not getting this kind of extreme shit that we got. <laughs> Mandy Moore being like blonde, specifically blonde and mean, and Mia being like Mediterranean and sweet. <laughs> right. It's, this is intense. Right. It is, and and it is weird. And it's like I'm I'm like they're not they're not the kids today aren't dealing with the intense shit. I'm like I feel like kids today are dealing with bad shit. Like now now people can just send photos of their dicks places yeah yeah uh, yeah that's that's not what i meant i'm <laughs> sorry gen z don't come at me no it's we and before we started this episode we were talking about i don't know if i cut it from the cold open but we were talking about eighth grade which is not a movie that makes me want to be in eighth grade right now oh my god no 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 but i mean <laughs> as far as the uh content this is very extreme stuff like me like mia's friend being uh like very tofu friendly and all yes. of that stuff yeah she's she's like vegan before vegan was a thing yes. uh she she's like you know and she's an av nerd too right she has like mm-hmm. a cable access show uh it and... made me think of our pod <laughs> <laughs> shut up and listen it's like her her and that magician kid i was like that's me and tony <laughs> it, it did kind of yeah that one did actually hit a little closer to home um <laughs> Only 12 people watch it. <laughs> Once again, that's ko-fi.com slash shoulda if you want to uh, donate a few bucks. Oh, uh, God. To- I'm sorry. We're going off the rails. It's just, <laughs> this is just, it's really hard for me to face as an adult. Well, way. and also you, but you like went to a fucking like plaid skirt school uh, in San Francisco, like as a kid, right? Like when, well, when you were in yeah, high school. Well, yeah, our skirts were gray and I went and I lived in a, suburb of san francisco but yeah okay. it it very similar <laughs> and and was your uh principal clearly an asian woman with an indian last name <laughs> <laughs> no unfortunately our administration was mostly white okay i do appreciate like clear evidence of colorblind casting that they wrote the character as ms gupta and it's yeah. sandra O. <laughs> Who smashes it, by oh, the way. Oh, yeah, destroys it. Like, does such Incredible. a good job. It does remind me of, like, do you watch, like, the Hallmark Christmas movies at all? Oh, right? of course. Yeah. So the thing about those is they are, like, like they write the scripts. It's like a fucking grindhouse, right? Because they make, like, 40 of these a year. <laughs> they write all these scripts, and then they shoot them. But they write the scripts, all like, all the scripts before they cast them, and, like, every fifth film, Hallmark's like, okay, this one we're gonna have a black cast. Like, this, right. this is gonna be for a black audience. Which is how you end up with, like, a movie with two black leads, and the characters' names are, like, Aaron and Rory, or something <laughs> like that. Skylar and Tyler. Right, exactly. <laughs> so it reminded me of that. Um, yes, yes, definitely. Yeah. Definitely that. Uh, but the other thing about it that I really liked is that uh, the the lead girl is musical 
Also. Yes, yes, she's a singer. She's in a singing group, and she gets her. I mean, she's Mandy Moore. She's played by Mandy Moore, right? <laughs> and we will get a musical number from her later in the movie. I mean, it's expected. I a lot of people now, I'm sure, don't know this, but Mandy Moore was a pop singer before she was on This <laughs> Is Us. <laughs> before... <laughs> but she unfortunately got into a very precarious situation by dating Ryan Adams, who convinced her that she wasn't a good singer and was yeah. like clearly very toxic and abusive and we hate him. Yeah. But and, and Ryan Adams, fuck you. Fuck you. But uh she is putting out music now. So good for her. Good for her. Um so anyway, sorry, we, we're we're like two minutes into this movie. Mia Thermopolis goes in, she's got debate class, and guess what? She's gotta argue pro school uniforms. Ugh. That's if you're bad at public speaking, why do you sign up for debate class? I well, she wants to get better. Nadia, mm-hmm. she wants to get better. Okay. But she sucks at public speaking. She's clearly the only person in her school who has ever had frizzy hair. <laughs> <laughs> And she can't even get a word out. She fucking runs away and barfs like she's fucking Eminem at the beginning of the. And mile. then we get some we got some ADR that's like someone covered the tuba. There is so much ADR in this movie. There is so I don't, many. I don't know if it's a fucking Gary Marshall thing, but like he, I don't know if he's like sitting and watching the dailies and he's like, oh shit, I never explained where Genovia was. And so <laughs> there's like there's like ADR. It's like Genovia, where is it? Oh, it's in between Spain and Portugal. Like there's so much ADR of and just I, like I recognize the voice as the gym teacher. Okay. So I think they had the gym teacher just pretend to be a teenager and do a lot of ADR. <laughs> So just, you know, just just after they shoot the film, they're like, we left out like 18 plot points. Let's just put in some voices that'll kind of cover that. Yeah, and we'll do it as like little jokes. Yeah. So, okay, so we've established Mia's character. Let's get to the actual fucking inciting incident, which is uh, her grandmother is in the country and is like, come visit me at the Genovian uh, consulate. Um, right. And she thinks that it's just this big house. But when she gets there, there's a security camera. There's people yelling at her to get off the grass. Mm -hmm. Uh, She shows up and is kind of confused. Like, what is this place? This is too nice for me to be in because I'm ugly. Right. (laughs) I'm not not hot. People don't want to fuck me. Why am I in a nice place? Don't <laughs> say that. She's 15. Well, she was 18 when we shot it. Still oh, okay, 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 okay. It still yeah. doesn't make it better. Still doesn't make it great. Uh, so, <laughs> uh, so, all of that said, she meets her grandmother for the first time. It's Julie Andrews, who is, of course, like, very poised, you know, mm-hmm. perfect acting, like, and and perfect at portraying, like, low-key royalty, right? Yeah, I mean, she's British. To us, yes. they can do no wrong, unless you're from Wales. <laughs> or a member of the actual royal family. <laughs> <laughs> or, uh, I'm just going to say it, if you wrote, like, a beloved seven-part fantasy series, and now you just spend all day posting your views about gender. Uh, hey, so, take it rolling. Yeah. Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, uh, all that said, this is, you know, so Julie Andrews shows up, and there's some good kind of slapstick of... Uh, Julie Andrews being, you know, extremely poised and drinking the tea perfectly and sitting with her legs crossed perfectly on the couch and and Anne Hathaway just being wild and klutzy. 
so funny. The moment they met, she's like, let me get a look at you. And she says, you look so young. <laughs> and then Anne Hathaway looks back at her and is like, you look so <laughs> clean. What a great moment. That is a good line. Yes. And um, I also like there's uh, so there's some good slapstick here. And then also there's one where they're drinking the tea and Anna takes out her spoon and and bangs her spoon on the teacup really loudly. And I was hoping someone in the background would freeze up and collapse to the floor like and get out. (laughs) (laughs) But no, no, everyone was just cringing. The, the, The whole point of her being there is that. She has something to tell her, but she's like doing a real big song and dance about it. Right. But, but eventually gets out that Mia's dad was the prince of Genovia. Right. And she's like, that can't be true because then that would mean that I. And then Julie Andrews finishes the sentence here. She's like, yes, you are the princess of Genovia. And Anne Hathaway responds, Nadia, would you like to do the line? Me? A princess? Shut up! That's <laughs> so uh and and actually again very funny line here where julie andrews is like what are you talking about shut up and her like manservant is like no ma'am shut up for teenagers today could mean wow or gee whiz or golly wally (laughs) but i mean nothing can stop anne hathaway from being 15 and having a huge emotional response to this right because she's like there's no way like my expectation of life is to be invisible and i'm good at it there's no way that i'm like a princess and then she says one of my favorite lines at the time when i was 13 uh i'm still waiting for normal body parts to arrive how can i be a princess uh and so julie andrews is like we will we will accept the challenge of making you the princess you can be um but she Anne halfway basically freaks out runs away yeah this this is a uh an important thing to remember is that she runs away in times of strife. Yes. Keep that in mind. Keep that in mind. Chekhov's running away. <laughs> and so uh, she goes sprint. home. Yeah, she goes home. Chekhov's sprint is good. She goes home Thanks. and she's pissed at her mom because her mom knew all of this, right? Yes, her mom kept that from her her entire life. <laughs> that is the most fucked thing about all of this. Like, she's like justifying it being like, look, like, we were really young. We didn't, we thought that if, you know, if he goes back to Genovia and they'll tell you when you're 18, like it's not a big deal, but he fucking died. So now you have to deal with this. Like th- it's not a good justification at all. No, it's really not. So, uh, so, and like Anne Hathaway goes up to bed and then she like slides down the pole at some point to go get a snack from the fridge and Julie Andrews is there and Anne Hathaway's like, oh God, I'm going back to bed. And I wrote down, was she going to slide up the pole? <laughs> she has stairs, Tony. Oh, okay. <laughs> but yeah, there they there is a small scene between the mom and the grandma where Julie Andrews is like wiping the mug of tea because she like thinks it's dirty. It's very like it's very classist and I hate it. <laughs> but then they drop that whole pretense for the rest of the movie and I appreciate it. But yes. for the most part, we learn that her father got very he got in an accident so it was unexpected that he passed away he had no other children and mia her choice to become the princess like basically will determine the future of this country right because then it would go to these other people who are like kind of evil 
Yeah, and they look Greek, and I mean, I don't know, oh. but the, yeah, <laughs> no, but but basically, right? If it if Anne Anne Hathaway is the last blood, the end of this bloodline, so yeah. if she doesn't take it, the the rule of the kingdom like literally goes to a different family entirely, and yes. so um, so basically, what Julie Andrews says is like, look, we have a ball coming up. It's the Genovian Independence Day ball. It's when we celebrate throwing off the colonial rule of the filthy Italians, and <laughs> uh, and that's when I want to present you to the press and to the public as the princess of Genovia. But we gotta like, you can't. You can't be in front of people like this. You're wearing glasses. So Yeah, your eyebrows. Gonna... You have one eyebrow. So what we're going to do is I'm going to help you learn how to be a princess. I'm going to bring in people that are going to help you learn how to be a princess. And then we'll be ready for the ball. And so Mia says, here's what I'll do. I will agree to the princess lessons, but I'm not going to agree to the ball until the princess lessons are over. Right. And I'm not going to agree to be a princess until the ball. Right. Right. So there's um, a lot of conditions happening, and they are all very happy overall with the agreement. But yes. the first thing that they, she changes is that Mia can't ride around on her scooter anymore. She has to have a chauffeur and, yes. like, a babysitter. Because a she's sec- uh, well, a bodyguard, a security detail. Right, and it's Hector Elizondo. And honestly, love him in this. What a king. <laughs> I love him in every uh, Gary Marshall movie. He's great in Pretty Woman also. Yes. Uh, so, yeah, so, uh, Elizondo plays Joe, uh, Joseph, the bodyguard, who drives, uh, Mia around in his, uh, in his Lincoln Town car with diplomatic plates, and, uh, and she's, oh, can I call you Joey? And he's like, ha, 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 no. Uh, so. <laughs> what a great guy. He, he is very fun, and, and it's clear throughout the movie that he really cares about her a lot. Um, and wants her to be happy and be a good princess. It's, it becomes clear that he cares about the queen quite a bit, too. And mm, He's uh, horny for the queen. He's horny for the queen, folks. And so <laughs> so we get a little more establishment of Mia's character. She sucks at softball. Um, she has a Mustang that she's, like, trying to restore. Yeah, she's got a 1966 Mustang. Uh it doesn't work, but her future boo, soft boy Robert Schwartzman, is uh, helping her fix it up. And this is, Anne Hathaway has a goth best friend. This is the goth best friend's brother. Yeah. Would you say she was goth, or was she just, like, the typical best friend in, like, a 2000s whatever, where she just wears, like, a lot of ponytails in her hair? Okay, yeah, that's fair. She had, like... <laughs> I feel like she had, like, dark shade of lipstick on. Maybe I'm a man. Yeah, you're things. right. Yeah, you're right. You're right. I wouldn't say she went she, fully goth she, because she had not, to wear a school uniform. She, yeah, she's not goth. She's, like, a she's like a theater tech, like, type nerd. Like, she, because she's yeah. into making a TV show, right? She's, like, the person who would be on stage crew. Like, and Anne Hathaway is a fucking theater kid, so we know that. That makes a lot of sense. Yes, yeah. for sure. So uh, we, we get a little intro into Michael. That's Robert Schwartzman's character. He... There's a line where these two girls are watching his band perform, and I think it is Rooney. And oh, really? Girls, yeah, I think one of the girls says to the other girl, he fixes cars, he plays guitar, and he sings. He's so hot. And then it cuts to him playing the piano. <laughs> and I was like, what? You could, the one thing they didn't fucking ADR. 
like, okay, I didn't notice that. But he, uh, she discovers that it costs $400 for them to fix this car. And uh, he offers to do some labor for free. But she's like, don't worry about it. I'll talk to my grandma. She's fucking rich. Yeah, and she's the, a the, queen. Yeah, and then the guy at... Um, the mechanic the, shop. The mechanic shop is like, oh, so you like her? You sweet on her? And we don't really hear a yes mm. or a no, but we know that he's horny for Mia. We know he's horny for Mia. He uh, fixes cars. He plays, not guitar, but piano with Skittles on it. <laughs> it's M&M's. Is it M&M's? It is M&M's. Oh, now I feel like a real asshole. Yeah, uh, you don't listen to Rooney and you mix up Skittles and M&M's. I'm going to kick you off this podcast. So I need a new host. Apply <laughs> at Instagram.com slash probably should have. Probably should have, folks. Um, DMs are open. So, uh so now we get to, you know, one of the best parts of the movie, which is where we just tear apart the looks of a 15-year-old girl. Oh, my God. So she, Julie Anders has Anne Hathaway standing in front of her, making her, like, spin around and is like, no, hair, just no. no. Eyebrows, <laughs> no. Like, just horrible, horrible shit. And then they do princess lessons. Right. Um, so they start with, like, you know, this is how you, it, it, you know, a lot of, like, this is how you walk down a staircase. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, don't cross your legs at your knees, right. cross them at your ankles, at which I, I don't cross my legs at the knees because of this movie. Right, okay. <laughs> this is, like, deeply ingrained. Um, and uh, she's riding around with Joe at one point, and he gives her shoes. He buys uh, uh, heels for an upcoming state dinner. And he uh, gives them to her, and he's like, strange town, San Francisco. When I purchased the pumps, they asked if I wanted them wrapped or if I wanted to wear them. Basically, everyone in this city is gay. And uh, yeah, he, he just, doesn't, he doesn't he say the, the last thing, but it's suggested. He just bought the shoes on Hate Street. Let's just be real. <laughs> uh, but yeah, but during this, there's a scene where she's, you know, trying to put on the heels and the pantyhose, and Aaron Carter plays. And I was like, this is a movie from 2001, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh you know you have that you have a scene where like there's a statue in the front room of the consulate and and before <laughs> julie andrews comes in anne hathaway breaks it and is like oh shit oh shit oh shit oh shit trying to fix it she Which, tells the statue to shut up like she's just like yeah. to the statue really funny puts the finger it's a finger she yeah. puts the finger in its mouth yeah it, it is she does a really good job with the physical comedy and also the the dance lesson um and yeah, it's joe so is teaching her how to dance and, and he's like do you know how to dance she's like yeah and she does like normal like fucking high school dance um stuff like she's out on the floor she's bobbing her head joe is like no bobbing of the head uh <laughs> you're not a doggy on the dashboard yeah um and uh and the the dance lessons is also telling because when Anne hathaway goes home joe like turns to the queen and is like i've been horny for you madam <laughs> and yeah it's very obvious they have a relationship yeah and it's so uncomfortable <laughs> i was i remember being very uncomfortable watching that as a child and then like even today i was like oh i'm gonna go get a snack like <laughs> deeply ingrained yeah so uh that brings us to kind of i think the most iconic scene in the film which is the makeover which i forgot was done by larry miller uh, Larry Italian. Miller uh, playing fucking Italian. 
uh, <laughs> which I'm not super okay with. Larry Miller is brilliant. I think it's very funny. This is the same guy. He's the dad in 10 Things I Hate About You. He's mm-hmm. the um, he's Eddie Murphy's boss in The Nutty Professor. Uh, and uh, there's just a lot of uh, great comedic... He's in Best in Show. He has, like, one of the funniest roles in Best in Show. Um and he's an Italian in this one, named Paolo Putanesca. He's got a last name that's a sauce. Uh, don't love that. Um, and it is just an incredible, this whole sequence is an incredible, like, shoving Western beauty standards up your ass so yeah. hard. To start, he yeah. walks into the room, sees Mia, and screams. Super rude. And then uh, he asks her if she's ever worn contacts. And she says, yeah, I mean, I have them, but I don't like to wear them. And he breaks her glasses in half. That's so fucked. Those are expensive. And then he tries to brush out her hair and her hair is very tangly and breaks his brush. Right. Very, very uh, sad. Very, very sad stuff. But then eventually, you know, we get to the cool stuff where she's like bobbing around listening to music while they do her nails. Right. There is a a, cucumber. The cucumber. I like that line. It's like, let me tell you a little secret about the cucumber. (laughs) The cucumber, it does nothing. It's just something we make up. (laughs) You sound like Super Mario. You should voice Super Mario in the movie instead Instead of Chris Pratt. Pratt. Well, you've seen the the joke about like, I I think it's photoshopped, but somebody screenshot in an interview of Chris Pratt. He's like, I'm not going to do an Italian accent. Mario's not Italian anymore. He's normal now. (laughs) (laughs) Chris Pratt, you motherfucker. Uh, But yes, we finally get to the, this was like the pinnacle of the movie trailer. This moment where it's two pictures of Mia looking terrible with her glasses on and her hair curly and they pull it apart and she is, she's got a blowout, she's got a lot of makeup on and she's got a smile on her face. I mean, and, and, you know, she looks like Anne Hathaway. Anne Hathaway's a good looking woman, but like they, like they make her up so much that it like really hits different watching it now. Yeah, they, she looks, she's got like gray eyeshadow on, like a smoky eye. For a 15-year-old, she looks very old. She looks like she's yeah. in her 20s. It's right. It's a little disturbing, honestly. It, it's like, it's really not cool. Again, like, and, okay, look, here's what I'm going to say, okay? I'm going to okay. say it. Go on. Greek people are white. Like, <laughs> Greek people are white. Now, are they, like, are they, like, less white than, like, the rest of Western Europe? I don't know. Fucking maybe. But it's just like, the message of this movie is like, yeah, you're white, but we need to make you just fucking white. Yeah, I mean, do you think this is why Tina Fey is the way she is? I don't know why Tina Fey is the way she is. (laughs) Like, I'm not gonna crack that one. Look, you know, she's written some great stuff. Yeah. I just don't want to ever talk to her about her views on uh, politics or race, or I'm just going to go out on a limb here and say gender. (laughs) (laughs) Or anything, really. (laughs) But uh, we finally get to her friends seeing her new makeover. I mean, the queen is ecstatic. She's like, it's much better. You look much, much, much better. And so she goes to school the next day. She's got her blowout. My question is, do they give her a keratin treatment? Is that why her hair is straight for the rest of the movie? Or does she have to straighten it every day? I don't know. But she goes to pick up her friends at 
in the limo and right. we have uh michael and her friend lily and Michael is obviously obsessed with her. Just, he's just, he is sprung. Like He's like, just, wow. Yeah. <laughs> and then Lily shows up and she's like, who destroyed what you? the fuck is happening to your face and hair? Like, it's upsetting that they made her out to be angry about her looking pretty instead of her being like, you looked fine the way you were. Right. Because, like, there is a way to spin this where th- where Lily's fucking right about everything. <laughs> yeah. Like, she's like, you know, you're looking like all the other girls at school. You look like Lana and a.k.a. Mandy Moore. Like, that, <laughs> in a way, it is true. But they made her out to be such a little bitch. And I'm like, but she was right, though. She's like, you, ch- you, like, you look like all those other assholes out there. Anne Hathaway starts crying, right? Like, yeah. we see tears coming down her face um and just uh you know it, it, it just her friend is right about everything but i guess that's not the message of the movie and then no uh and then this is what's like super fucked is like the scene right after this she's like look lily i gotta tell you the truth i'm a princess and the friend is like oh that explains everything cool yeah <laughs> she's like, like wow that- like what, cool so you're a princess great like you know what I, what can you get out of it <laughs> kind of vibe i don't i don't like this yeah it's fucked guys it's fucked there is a great like where the the um what's his name uh schwartzman the soft boy is like hey just so you know mia i think you look really good and then as he walks away just whips out a harmonica and starts playing (laughs) it for some reason which is how i want to leave every fucking conversation now you just have to be soft yeah Uh, but, but uh yeah so it is revealed just to lily though that she is a princess and Lily has to keep it on the DL because it's not going to come out until the ball that she's the princess and she's still not ready to be like out in the public, you know? Mm -hmm. So she puts on a hat to hide her new hair and goes to class. But unfortunately, Mandy Moore is a little shithead and points out that Mia is uh, violating the dress code. And so they make her take off the hat and... (sighs) She Look really, who's trying to fit in now. Ooh. Yeah. She really... That is on Mia for not thinking this all the way through. Like, yeah. Like, oh, no, I got, I got a hat. It's like, well, what happens if you can't wear the hat? Oh, fuck. Yeah. Like, <laughs> also, like, it, for a curly girl, all you got to do is get it wet and your hair's curly again. But right. again, keratin treatment? I don't know. Was it a full transplant? Do you think they, <laughs> <laughs> they took her scalp off and, like, put a new one on? Who knows? But, uh, yeah, everybody is noticing Mia. She's looking good. But you know who else is noticing Mia? Eric fuck- Von Detten. Yeah, the fucking hot dude. I mean, I don't I don't know. But I mean, the one he's not hot, she, but yeah. The one that she thinks is hot. You know what I'm talking about. The, the guy yeah. who would have been hot in 2001 if you were 12. Yeah. Uh, and so- <laughs> exactly, exactly. And uh, he he's, like, starting to say hi to her now. Starting to be like, hi, what's up? Yeah. Hey, what's, what's going what's, on? What's going on with you? Uh, you've got some nice moves, Mary. Uh, that sort of thing. And so, <laughs> nice moves. Nice so moves. Then so. we finally get to the moment I've been waiting for, which is the soft boy asks Mia out. <laughs> yes. To uh, uh, his band's playing a gig, right? Oh, they're doing, just doing practice. Oh, okay. 
Yeah, it's nothing she, exciting. That's why it's she thinks it's very casual because it's just practice. And he's like, yeah, well, maybe we'll uh, fix up your car together and order some pizza with M&M's and uh, just hang out. And she's like, is this a date? And he's like, no. Come on, shoot your shot, man. He did not shoot his shot. And so she's like, this is just a casual hangout. Okay. And, uh, but unfortunately, we don't get to see what happens next because somebody fucking outed her. Yes. And uh, so, you know, the next day she gets to school, fucking news crews everywhere. I don't know why the local San Francisco news is so interested in who the uh, the line of monarchy, like, is in <laughs> fucking genovia which is a city state nobody's ever heard of but uh but word gets out um so it's pretty fucked and well actually what word gets out is that there is a princess but people don't know who it is at first is that right yeah they don't know who it is at first but then mandy moore is like that's her that's me at thermopolis and then it's fucking pandemonium and the worst part in my humble opinion is that everybody wants to jump on this fame train absolutely and Mandy Moore is like, oh my gosh, we're besties. We share clothes. We share boyfriends. We like finish each other's sentences. We fuck probably like yeah. all that stuff. And Eric Von Detten pulls her aside and is like, I just think it's really shitty what Mandy Moore did. Like she just really wants to, she's like a fame whore basically. Yeah. They don't say these things because I'm just giving you my synopsis of it. And he's right. like, I just think it's really bad, but I'd love to hang out with you and like get to know you better. Let's yeah. go to the Baker Beach party together. Yeah. And if you're watching closer, you're like, wait a second, that's the same night as the fucking uh, fucking band practice. But, you know, just kind of, you know, p- put a pin in that. Put a pin uh, in that. And her, Lily also asks her to be on her Probably Should Have Known Better show. <laughs> and she agrees to that, too. So she's triple booked. So she's triple booked. Right. That's the important thing. And then we learn the, the person who outed her is, is Paolo Putanesca. Uh, the uh, yes. the stylist outed her because it was so important to him that people understand that he transformed this hideous. <laughs> he gave her a blowout and took off her glasses. This like hideous woman who had can you believe it non straight hair. Uh, this and... is like um t- uh, she's all that when they just took yeah. off Rachel Lee Cook's glasses and gave her a haircut and they're like whoa. But she but she's all that like knew that it was knew how stupid it was like that's why it's the greatest movie ever made (laughs) (laughs) did you watch the remake by the way no i'm never gonna watch the remake why would you remake it it's so appalling i know but it has that kid from uh cobra kai oh yeah he's he's really good i don't know i i I don't know i don't know if i'll watch it because it's about a tiktok star but whatever anyway it's like like remaking the graduate like why would you mess with perfection also to shoot the movie they had to like shut down an la county covid testing site for like two (laughs) days (laughs) yeah that's also true okay all right so moving on moving on uh Uh, so it's found Uh, out and uh, we get a great scene with sandra O where right before the queen shows up she picks up the phone and says gupta Mm -hmm. The Queen is coming to Grove High School. <laughs> like, what an incredible performance. For someone who, uh, for someone who has, like, four lines in this entire movie, she was like, this is gonna make my career, <laughs> and I gotta fucking, uh, nail it. And she did. <laughs> she, she stole the show. I think she, she really does. Some- I mean, it really is a good performance. 
It's so wonderful. But at this point, personally, I feel like there are too many conflicts mm-hmm. for Mia. You know, she's got the princess Well, she's thing. literally triple booked, so yes. She's triple booked. She's got the princess thing. She doesn't know if she wants to be a princess. Uh, you know, now she's very famous. Like, everything is kind of falling apart. I'm very stressed. I would like to turn the movie off at this point, but I cannot. Because we need to... Uh, we need to just continue on and uh, go to the fancy state dinner. The state dinner. <laughs> so this is, um, I mean, two things. One, there's a lot of very Gary Marshall shit going on in this scene. Yes. <laughs> Especially the way it ends. Um, but uh, uh, there's also some great physical comedy and reactions from Anne Hathaway. I was really impressed with that. Um, we also meet the bad guys who are just generally like some Turkish or Greek looking people. <laughs> <laughs> Baron Von Tuchen is his really, actual name. Really, like, racist because there was a moment where she's coming down the stairs, Anne Hathaway, and then he turns to his wife and is like, you look, you're much prettier. And then she turns around and they made her... And she's her, not. And she's not. And they made her out to look very severe. And it's... I don't... It doesn't, it doesn't work for me. Yeah, it's not... Yeah, it's kind of fucked. But anyways, th- yeah. this guy is like... E- evilly rubbing his hand saying, someday we will own Genovia again. And then Anne Hathaway sets a man on fire uh, during the reception. <laughs> right. uh, perhaps the most iconic scene... Uh, I- I- iconic gag in this scene is the mint sorbet. Right? Right, yes. Uh, so <laughs> she's meant to be a palate cleanser and she just takes a big old spoonful and jams it in her mouth and is like, oh, I didn't know it was cold. I didn't know that that was, I mean, I'm poor. I grew up poor. So I didn't know that that was like a thing. Is it sorbet? I didn't know what it was. Yeah, it's sorbet. So like if you go to like a fancy wedding, um, for example, like like a really fancy wedding, um, they will sometimes give you uh, like one tiny scoop of sorbet in between courses. The, the intent being to cleanse your palate. Ah, okay. Okay. I mean, for a movie aimed at, like, 12 and 13-year-olds, I was like, why is the ice cream making her so upset? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And now as an adult, I get it, but fuck. Took a while. Uh, So so then there's, like, a But she has some really nice people who are there who are, like... Uh, like, supporting her. It's sweet. They So they start freaking out, too. Uh, But overall, she's not doing very well so far. But then it takes a much worse She, like, drops her spoon and, like, crawls under the table and just huge, like, eight-person pratfall. Um, Yeah, it's like a Three Stooges uh, thing. It it, it it feels very Gary Marshall, even though there's... Sadly, there are no hilarious pratfalls in The Other Sister, and really nothing about that movie that I would consider (laughs) hilarious... Is the pratfall itself the performance of... Of uh, Giovanni Rubisi. Yeah. <laughs> His is yeah, great, maybe. though. He's really great. Juliette Lewis, they're they're great in it. It's just really not okay. Um, but yes... Yeah, so mm-hmm. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. But it, it is obviously a super disaster. Anne Hathaway feels really ashamed and has to go to Princess Lessons the next day and is, like, obviously really bummed out. And Julie Andrews is like, you know what? Let's just cancel lessons. Like, I'm seeing this with a sense of humor. You are not. Let's just, like, get you out of your head and go Be spontaneous. Yeah. Yeah. So they go to a pier I've never heard of. 
and play some arcade games. <laughs> they go to the mechanical museum. Yeah. And I watched this one with Stacy, and it was at this point where Stacy turned to me and said, you know, it's like they're learning from each other. <laughs> Thank you, Stacy. Uh, they, they, yeah, so they talk about her dad and how he, like, really wanted to be the prince and wanted to, like, enact change. And uh, she makes Julie Andrews eat a corn dog. It's, it's very... At this point, it's dragging for, for me. <laughs> this is a two-hour movie and should not have been. No, they could have easily cut this out, but they're heading back to the consulate and we get a Fast and the Furious type uh, <laughs> car situation. The yeah. The adrenaline is pumping because there there are a lot of hills in San Francisco and I personally do not like to drive up certain ones so i understand this but mia's like this is the fastest way to the consulate we're going up this street on rose and that is one of the steeper streets in san francisco her car doesn't work she's gonna fix it up with her soft boy and instead rolls backwards into an iconic san francisco trolley yeah the only uh national monument that can move i believe are the the san francisco trolleys that is correct and uh then we get we get some cop action. <laughs> yeah, so basically, this is... The, I mean, I get why they did this scene. It's kind of a dumb scene, but I get why they did it. Because they're establishing... Julie Andrews is showing Anne Hathaway kind of what it can be like when you're the fucking queen. <laughs> uh, I didn't even think about it that way. And now uh, that you spin it that way, that makes a lot of sense. Because and, and again, the message of this movie for most of the movie, is going to seem like be true to yourself. And instead, the actual message of this movie is something closer to what we'll see in this scene, which is like, if you were queen, wouldn't that be fucking cool? <laughs> so, so Julie Andrews basically, like, sweet talks their way out of the accident, which is amazing because they, like, caused visible damage to a city vehicle. Yeah, <laughs> but, and they totally get away with it because she knights them. So they're knights of Genovia now. Yes, the Order of the Rose, which is a name she pulls out of her ass from looking at a street sign. And then she also, as they're driving away, Julie Andrews gets the line in, Goodbye, trolley people, which is what I said when I moved out of California. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. The trolley people miss you. Um, But this is a... This is where things start to go even more awry because... Eric Von Detten asks her to the beach party. She has to move her date with soft boy Michael, and he is visibly upset. Devastated. She's like, it's not a date. You never said it was a date. Whatever. And uh, she starts trying on all these outfits and tells her mom that her ultimate dream, not to be a princess, not to, you know, make change in the world, is to be kissed by a boy and to have her foot pop because it's so romantic. And again, the message of the movie you think is going to be there's more important things than having your foot pop, right? Like it's about being, it's about loving yourself first and understanding, you know, what you want out of life. But actually the real message of this movie is, wouldn't it be cool if you got kissed and your foot popped? Yeah. (laughs) I hated that. So she's doing, you know, so she's, go ahead. No, no, please. Uh, she, so she's telling her mom about this, and then we get to the beach. And, and honestly, uh, I kind of liked it. We get an honest-to-God, like, beach blanket bingo-style number from Mandy Moore singing Stupid Cupid with her doo-wop fellow cheerleaders <laughs> slash doo-wop singers. 
Yes, very cute. Uh, I, if I remember correctly, there was a contest on the Disney Channel where you would send in your photo to the Disney people and you could become a an extra in the movie. And there is a shot of four people sitting on the beach waving at the camera and those are the extras that won the contest. <laughs> That's what I remember from this movie. Uh, but uh, we see... Anne Hathaway and Eric Von Detten on a on a boat and they're getting off and they're like zooming all around and he's like wow I think it's really cool that you didn't get scared every time I bring a girl on here they get scared ladies we gotta talk about red flags (laughs) if he's repeatedly taking women out into international waters (laughs) and commenting on how scared they get that's a deal breaker, That's folks. That's a deal breaker, ladies. Also, just him talking about all the other dates he's gone on. Just on a less extreme version of that. We don't like that. So and she takes it in stride and is like, oh, no, I wasn't scared. But, like, is clearly bumped by that. Yeah. And so uh, at this point, like, the paparazzi show up. And again, I have no idea why the pre-9-11 media has any interest <laughs> in, uh, in like, the royalty of a tiny... Like, I can't fucking name the king of Spain. Spain has a king. I don't know who it is. It might yeah. be a queen. Also, I'm not San sure. Francisco is, like, a crime-ridden city for the most part at this time, even yeah. more so than now. Maybe. Uh, but... <laughs> But, like, there are a lot of other stories that they could have covered. But, you know, whatever. So, so whatever. So, anyway, so she is like, I got to hide from the paparazzi. And a fucking pretty boy's like, hey, why don't we uh, hide in this shack and we can mac on each other? Um, <laughs> mac? I haven't heard that in so long, but you're right. And and so there's a weird, like, foot massage gag Um or where he's like, how about a foot massage? And she's like, that would be awesome. And you're like, ah, cool. He's a foot guy. Uh, but then, <laughs> then he's like, no, you massage my feet. And and then I'm like, oh, I don't understand what this kind of foot guy is. And so <laughs> he's just selfish. It's another red flag, ladies. Yes. Uh, and then basically, like they try to sneak out, and the paparazzi photograph them, and the the pretty boy just, like, fucking leans into it and smooches her for the camera, which she does not want. She hits him with a flip-flop. You hear an 80-yard line, hit him again! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then Lana Fontana and Banana, or whatever her name is, they are like, oh my god, he's such a fucking asshole. Not really. But they tell her, you know, just come in here and hide, and... Change. in the changing tent in yes. the changing tent and you know we'll we'll tell you when anybody's on their way in but what they do instead is pull off the changing tent onto a naked Anne Hathaway it's kind of fucked it's very fucked she's an underaged girl uh she's c- yeah. being just covered by a towel or a blanket or something and it's in the pop it's in the papers it's on the tabloids Ugh. Uh, and she's just and now, while this is happening in parallel, right, like, soft boy, she's already been like, hey, I can't uh, date you because someone hotter asked me for the same night. You get it, right? Yeah. And then, <laughs> but her friend with uh, the cable access show probably should have known better, which, <laughs> coming soon, folks, just hold on. <laughs> um, she, uh, she didn't even tell her friend, hey, I can't make your show. 
So yeah, she, she just forgot. She just fucking forgets and and stands her up completely. On and so now her friend is just stuck with dead air and like the the cameraman doing magic tricks with her. Super sad, and it's the guy he, that has a crush on her, so he's trying to impress her. It's just the dynamics are all over the place. But her mom and the queen are watching the public access show because they're expecting Mia to be on it, but she's not. She's fucking at the Baker Beach party, getting it's, macked on and being it's, naked. It's so fucked. Uh, so, so the queen is obviously very livid. The but she, unfortunately the queen is believing what the tabloids have written about her instead of asking her what happened and is just laying into her being like princesses don't act like this yes like you can't if you're gonna act like this just don't be the princess and anne hathaway is like fine i won't be the princess she's like great that's a good move yeah she's like being princess is a real job which it is not (laughs) (laughs) it is fucking not (laughs) it is not uh so Uh, the it is understood that Mia's not going to take the throne. She's not even going to come to the ball at this no, point. No, Because um, she's running amok. Yeah. So she goes to, uh, she goes back to school. You hear, she rides her bike past, she rides her scooter past an extra who yells, hey, that's Princess Pucker Up, which also feels like something you give to a contest winner. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> uh, but she, she does kind of reconcile with her friend um as like look i had a shitty day too and i should have been with you and i'm sorry that i wasn't and then she plays softball and she drives a softball into the pretty boy's uh dick yeah uh, what a great moment which is great and then she decides like okay well i'll at least go to the ball um even if i won't become princess i'll go to the ball and you know how i'm gonna make things right i'm gonna invite the soft boy to the ball as my date so then more awkward stuff happens because he doesn't want to and he is like understandably so he's like no get fucked yeah you know you can't treat people this way and expect them to be like yeah no for sure it's it's in contrast to eric von detten who really wants to be part of that whole thing he was like no like even if you want me to go to this fancy fucking thing I, it's not about that. It's about how you treated me poorly. Yeah. And I liked that. That's a good message, which the movie will later abandon. Yes, and then, exactly. And then, and then he, and you can tell this character has been like, I got the, I got the perfect fucking thing to say. I got the perfect line to say to end this conversation with this princess who blew me off. I'm going to say it. It's going to fucking... She's gonna, uh, it's going to devastate her. She's going to remember it for the rest of her life. And he says, I just consider myself royally flushed. <laughs> and I feel like, I feel it's like at this point, bad. Anne Hathaway, yeah, Anne Hathaway should have been like, oh, okay, I made the right decision. <laughs> right. I mean, I could see, I see where he's coming from, but he didn't have to be that much of a dick either. <laughs> They're 15. We have to remember they're teenagers. So, whatever. Um, so, in any event, her Julie Andrews eventually shows up to reassure her. Um, as like, you know, you, you can be princess if you want. And Anne Hathaway is like, no, because I'm just going to disappoint the people of Genovia, which she probably will, and I get it. And her, <laughs> right. gram, her grandma's like, okay, well, you still have to come to the ball, and you have to formally renounce your title. 
Right. Um, which is, is fine. And actually, if she accepts the title, I don't think she can be an American anymore either. <laughs> <But>. <laughs> She's just stripped of all citizenship. <laughs> she has to She has to live with Tom Hanks in that airport terminal. And so, <laughs> uh, but the other thing her grandma says is, oh, by the way, this was something your father left you and it's a diary. It's got a letter in it. Get it? Princess uh, Diaries? Princess Diary. Well, we're, we're getting there. Uh, yeah. So... <laughs> So uh, she finds the letter and it has a has a message about being brave and living the journey or whatever. Right. Um, and you're like, oh, wow. OK, so she's seeing this message about being brave. So she's going to go to the ball. She's going to renounce the title and say the best thing I can do is, is to just be me, is to just be me at Thermopolis. So that's what you're expecting. Right. So here we go into act three. <laughs> A uh, cameo by San Francisco Mayor Willie Brown. Ah, uh, never comes down on Willie Brown. <laughs> Fucking cool guy. <laughs> I love Willie Brown. Who is, who, was someone, we had a different, maybe it was in The Other Sister. Didn't Gavin Newsom get, like, a cameo in that because he was mayor of San Francisco? No, Gavin Newsom was mayor after Willie Brown. After Willie Brown. Okay. Yeah. Maybe he's in George of the Jungle. Jesus. <laughs> no, I don't think he was in it. I uh, I think I made a reference to Willie Brown. Oh, okay. Because I, I love, like, I know the San Francisco mayors. I was an intern for the, for Gavin Newsom. Oh, wow. I know. Well, this was before he was who he is now. <laughs> Things seem to have worked out just fine for him. Yeah, and for me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, so... One thing we did forget to mention is our school bully did get her comeuppance before the big climactic Mia scene where uh, she was making fun of Mia and Mia put an entire ice cream cone on her cheerleading outfit and then everyone started chanting, Lana got coned. Lana got coned. (laughs) (laughs) An incredible scene where uh, Sandra Oh is like, oh whatever just take it out for dry cleaning like there's no discipline involved because she's the princess like great stuff but yes now let's move on to Anne Hathaway has to make a decision what is she gonna do her dad is like be brave but she wants to run away Mm -hmm. what what would you do what would I do I wouldn't be fucking I mean okay what would I do now or what would I do when I was 15 let's say let's say some relative comes to america from italy and they're like yo like there's a lot going on in italy and you are the next to take the throne okay would you take the throne or would you stay i would stay (gasps) wow you wouldn't take like the riches and the fame no this is why we're friends i think it i think it would uh fuck me up too much you think what would fuck you up just like being rich and and like I think I think it I think it fucks people up, man. I mean, you wouldn't think like because uh, Anne Hathaway's best friend is like somebody who has that kind of influence could really change the world. I don't think I I, I don't think I I think I would fuck up the job too. Like I don't think oh. I'd like oh I could do good. I think if I tried to do good, it would blow up in my face. <laughs> like I think I think it would make the world a worse place because I would like screw something up. Do you if really? If I was king of Italy, which, by the way, doesn't exist. Uh, <laughs> well, I mean, Genovia doesn't exist. I'm just yeah, giving you true. a scenario. But yeah, I'm wait, gonna... sorry. I mean, king of Italy doesn't exist. Italy exists. Italy's a real place. There's people that come from there. 
<laughs> I know we're both part Italian, but <laughs> it's very funny to me that you would think so. I think you would do a really great job, dude. Well, that's very kind. That's I very think you kind. would probably have enough of uh, a, of the best interest of like the poor people where I think you would actually just get murdered by the rich people. <laughs> like TBH. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, I mean, just to answer the question, if there was like a queen of Mexico that was like, do you want to like be the queen of Mexico? I'd be like, no. Yeah. No, yeah. I think we were both. I mean, I, I would, you know what I, I'd be like? I'm like, look, I have this podcast and like... <laughs> I got to watch one movie a week and then I don't got time you know, and I got to record records like usually two hours and then, you know, I got to edit. So that's like, that's like almost six hours of work. I got to do. <laughs> that's a good reason. Okay. Well, thank you for indulging my question. Now I want to hear from our listeners, tweet us or Instagram us. Let us know. Would you want to be royalty? Would you become, if you were it like, and you have to, you have to have grown up, not royalty. Right. And then be offered royalty. Yeah. Like uh, the, all the duchesses and duchesses that listen to this podcast, you cannot answer this yeah, question. Yeah. Um, also like the other thing, um, like just politically speaking, like Italy's pretty fucked like yeah they're, they're not in a good place they have not been a good pl- in a in a good place for a, a long time and i'm not going to criticize them for that cuz you know i'm not not in a country where i'm in a position to criticize someone else's <laughs> it's government like you live here right <laughs> um, but uh yeah i wouldn't want to wouldn't want to preside over that either anyways uh so Anne hathaway decides i'm going to drive my mustang in the pouring rain uh to the independence day ball and you're like oh to renounce my title i got it okay i see what anne hathaway's gonna do and it's a head fake but stay with me so uh she drives the car breaks down uh she's just and she couldn't get the top up on the mustang (laughs) so like she's just getting rained on looking pathetic sitting in the front seat crying and singing catch a falling star uh and then Joe pulls up. Hero? Because he pieced together where Anne Hathaway was because, like, her mom was like, yeah, no, she said she was riding with you, but she said she was riding with you. Like, and they think, oh, Anne Hathaway's going to run away from the ball. And Anne Hathaway instead was like, ah, okay, fine, I'll drive my Mustang there. Mustang broke down, but then Joe knew where she was. Yeah, she was going to run away, to be fair, but the dad's letter stopped her and was like, no, I got to be, I got to face this and be brave. And uh, she also had sent a pizza to Michael that had sorry written on it with M&Ms. Okay. So keep that in mind. But M&Ms would melt and Skittles wouldn't. That's why I think it's Skittles. Like. (laughs) I know, but it's M&Ms, bro. Skittles are fatter. Okay, okay. Trust me, uh, I was a fat child. <laughs> I know the difference. Uh, so, um, okay, so she makes it to the ball. Her Like, she's wearing a hoodie, her hair is soaking wet. Um, every other part of her is dry for some reason. And she's <laughs> and she's like, I gotta go up and give this speech. And you're like, this is it. This is where she's gonna renounce the title. And it's gonna be tough for her to do, but she's gonna do it. And we're gonna learn an important lesson as the audience about... Um, how money isn't everything and how, like, you have to be comfortable with who you are and love who you are. And it's not like someone's just going to walk up to you and give you a whole bunch of money and power and that's what you should hope for in life because that's not how life works. And then Anne Hathaway goes up. (laughs) 
<laughs> and he's like, you know what? <laughs> I think I'm going to be a princess. Yep, and that's when we get a glimpse of Oscar speech Anne Hathaway when she says her own name. <laughs> Mia Mionette Thermopolis Rinaldi and I like kind of cringed a little bit. I was like, "Oh god." And uh she accepts she's a princess officially. Yeah, it's not full Les Misérables because they didn't do a single tracking shot where Anne Hathaway's head is just in the lower right-hand corner of the screen. Right. Uh, but that would have been awesome. <laughs> <laughs> really good foreshadowing of what was to come. But uh, uh, yeah, it's a it's a big deal. The the Baron and the Baroness who are gonna up for the throne. The are evil Turks. Yeah. <laughs> They're pissed. And uh, Mia goes and changes into her fancy ball gown. Yeah. And, and guess who's fucking there? <laughs> Mr. Soft Boy himself. Michael shows up with his hair slicked back, looking like his brother Jason. And uh, they dance for a while. And he yeah, well, his... the entire length of the end credits, I would argue. Yes, and then they go to the, the outside garden. and yeah. Oh, that's right, that's right. And he asks her, why me? And she says, because you saw me when I was invisible. And he gives her a big old smooch. And then her foot pops. And it, it kicks up, like, the light switch for all the outdoor lights. So it's a whole thing. It's a whole thing. And I don't like it. No, because, the again, what is this? Like, you're a fucking 12-year-old girl watching this. And you're coming away thinking, man, I hope someone fucking dies and I end up being a princess with a ton of money. Yeah, like, and in the guy that is just this dude that i see as a friend that i've been stepping on the entire past two hours yeah is gonna be my boyfriend i guess it's not good it's not a good message it's not a good message it's very um disappointing for yeah. for a, i mean it's a disney movie though yeah i mean yeah but it's just like we take this girl who's fine and she's awkward and klutzy and hates high school and guess what that's what most people do and are right and then we're just like uh actually it'd be really cool if you didn't have to deal with any of this so now you're a princess and you look like a cartoon and you can basically treat people like shit and they'll still love you and uh you get to uh, have absolute power over an entire nation sweet the end Dear yep. Diary, today was my first day as princess. Yeah. it's it, this, this one didn't age well. So let me ask you this, Nadia, because I never read the book. This is what happens in the Meg Cabot book as well? Uh, for the most part, the first three books are in the movie. So The it, first three books are in the movie? I believe so. I think Holy they shit. like sm okay. they smush it all together. Um, in the, in the, at the end of this movie, there's like, Oh yeah, Michael and Lily are gonna come visit, but mm -hmm. in the books they break up because she he doesn't want to move. Yeah, I don't blame him. Yeah, uh, uh, I don't remember. I haven't read them obviously since I was a teenager. I, I could report back if you'd like, but yeah, It's not. It's not. Um, they did leave out a whole lot of things. For for one thing, on Common Sense Media, a lot of people who did read the books were really upset that Anne Hathaway had brown hair when the Mia is blonde. In the books. Yeah, there hasn't been enough blonde representation of princesses. Yeah. Uh, but overall, people thought if you can separate the book series from the movie, it's still fine. But in the 
the books it's a lot there are a lot more books and it's a lot more nuanced and a lot more mm-hmm. about her doing the right thing so but they spun it in this in such a way this time that it it's very shallow ah, it's so fucked yeah anyways like not, i said i think personally of all of the three movies we've watched so far i still think man of the house is the more entertaining one Okay, I disagree strongly. Like this is <laughs> this is my favorite of the three so far. Like I said, this is this is like a B plus film because you have Anne Hathaway and Julie Andrews basically can can paper over a lot of problems. Yeah. But, but this uh, one leaves I, a bad taste in your mouth in the yeah. same way that maybe Jungle to Jungle did. Yes. But like Man of the House didn't make me feel like I'm, you know, Mr. Robotussin. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't think I'm gonna let the meatball watch this one for a while yeah i think that's a good Uh, idea uh well i i think you i think you're gonna uh nail this but i would like to do another round of are there sequels oh Um, yes of course so i've seen i've seen you already know the answer for princess diaries which is of course there was a sequel princess diaries 2 royal engagement it started my obsession with chris pine yes oh chris pine is in that yeah, Chris Pine plays the uh, prince that... Should, so the whole idea is about Mia needing to find a husband because she right. can't rule without a king, of course. Right. So, but. yeah, so Chris Pine is in is w- in the running for the crown if she doesn't get married. And then she okay. ends up falling in love with him even though he's the villain. Yeah. Uh, Raven Simone's in it too. And oh. the, you do get to go to Genovia and it's a very ethnically diverse place. Okay, well, that's something. Uh, Okay, well, I have two other uh, Disney princess selections for you uh, for Are There Sequels. So this one, of course, from the Silver Age of Disney, were there sequels to The Little Mermaid? Yes, there's The Little Mermaid 2, where it's her daughter, and she is a mermaid. No, she is a human and wants to become a mermaid. Yes. So here's my other question. Was there another sequel? I think it wasn't. Wasn't it about like flounder? No. So there. So you were correct that there was Little Mermaid two: Return to the Sea, which is just reverse Little Mermaid. It's right. Ariel's daughter Melody wants to be a mermaid. Um, there was a prequel. There was a direct-to-video prequel called oh. The Little Mermaid: Ariel's Beginning, which was released in two thousand eight, uh, set before the events of the original film, in which King Triton has banned music from the city of Atlantica. Uh, okay. So, Even though all his all his daughters are named after musical things but okay i don't fucking oh no they're named after oceans never mind so okay so another question another disney princess film oh just kidding it's a dark disney princess has there been a sequel greenlit yet for cruella (laughs) the the adaptation the Emma Stone movie. Yeah, yeah, I think I think they're gonna do another one. Yes, they are. Emma Stone's already signed the contract. Oh my god! <laughs> they're gonna do another one, and Emma Stone has specifically said in interviews she wants it structured like Godfather Part Two. Which look what? Look. <laughs> so the reason she's saying that Godfather Part Two is like, first of all, it's like three hours long, but it's it's simultaneously a prequel and a sequel. It includes the backstory on Vito, the father, when he lived in Italy and came to the States. And then it continues the story of Michael, the son, uh, after uh, the first Godfather. Um, So I think that's what Emma Stone meant. She meant like structurally, she wants to go into Cruella's mom's story and Cruella's story. But don't fucking say, hey, I'm making uh, a movie that's going to be like 
one of the most celebrated sequels ever made, and it's Cruella. <laughs> I mean, Emma Stone is one of our most influential Asian actresses, <laughs> so I feel like she's got a lot of pull. And I, like, I don't even dislike Emma Stone. I actually, you know, I love, we've talked about Superbad before, and that was her breakout role, and she's really fucking good yeah, in it. she's incredible in Easy A. I just have to- Oh, Easy A is so good. Based Easy on the so trailer good. of Cruella and the accent that she's working with, I don't think I can handle it. <laughs> um, so, anyways, look forward to that uh, coming in a couple years. Uh, I was, we'll see. I was thinking you were going to bring up the Aladdin sequels. Oh, no, because we know about the Aladdin sequels. They're incredible. Yeah, they're both actually very good. You know, the... um, The Return uh, of Jafar. Return of Jafar and then Aladdin and the King of Thieves. Uh, The thing about Return of Jafar is, of course, they couldn't get uh, Robin Williams uh, to voice the genie. So they got... And it makes sense because it's direct-to-video sequel and Robin Williams was, like, winning Oscars at this point. (laughs) Um, But uh, they got Dan Castellaneta, who... Or Castellaneta, however you say it. They got Homer Simpson to do it. Yeah. And he did a, a pretty good job, I think. But then third movie, they're like, Robin, we will pay you whatever it takes. Yeah, that movie you. was really good. That was where Aladdin's dad shows up out of nowhere and is like, that, what up? And he's like the king of all the thieves. Third, Honestly, third Aladdin movie, tight as hell. Tight, like. uh, and Jasmine's got some <laughs> sick outfits. It's really good. Also, I, I used to watch the... I used to watch both The Little Mermaid and the Aladdin TV series. Yes, of course. Okay. Those were great. I think they're on Disney Plus. They probably are. Everything else is. uh, Including, I assume, Cruella 2. Turella. (laughs) I hate that. So look forward to that. Um, not yet. Do our friends at commonsensemedia.org uh, have any comments on this film? I'm guessing they do. Oh my gosh, this one is really popular on Common Sense Media to talk about. But a lot of people, especially parents, are saying that they love the message of the movie. Why? What do they love about it? There, a lot of parents are like, uh, first of all, a lot of parents are really upset that there's kissing in it. There are some open mouth kisses in the movie, just in case to let you guys know. But parents were really upset about that, but overall are very happy with the message being that you do have to be true to yourself, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But when you go to the kids' reviews, that's where the smarties come out. <laughs> Lots of kids are really upset about the message and don't like that they that Mia had a whole uh, makeover and the whole thing. Yeah. So I found one parent review and one kid review. So here is okay. a parent review. I really wish I had previewed this movie. I hate how the main character, 15-year-old Mia, feels like she's a nobody because she has bushy hair, wears glasses, and doesn't wax her eyebrows. So this person is with us here. Okay. They continue. Such a disappointing message that in order to be more acceptable as a person, she has to get a makeover. I liked Mia how she was before she made all her superficial changes. What about the scene where Mia drives a car and has an accident and she doesn't even have a driver's license? The police don't even arrest her. What a dangerous message to send to young people. Which, okay, like, they're kind of getting getting off message here, I feel. At this they're getting point. off message, but it makes sense. But they just didn't touch on the fact that it was because a royal was there and like yeah. that whole thing. They continue. At the end of the movie, Mia drives her car illegally again was anyone else creeped out by the fact that once mia's grandmother comes into town and announces she's a princess mia is put into the care of a 55 year old man who drives her around and is alone with her constantly 
Okay, that's actually a very good point. Very good point. <laughs> By virtue of being alone with Mia, his chauffeur is able to seize Mia's weak moments and push her towards accepting the throne. But could he have done something else? Mia's grandmother was also manipulative, and Mia's mom seemed to care more about painting than she did Mia. This movie made me angry. <laughs> good points. You know what? Good. That's the kid review. This is a parent review. This is one oh, of the a parent few parents. Good parent. Good this parent. is one of the few parents who wasn't like totally okay with the message. Yeah. Can I be honest with you? Mm. That was my alt account. <laughs> well, good job. Thank you, Tony, for that. <laughs> Um, okay, so we also have a 14-year-old, a 14-year-old's review. She says, This movie is a great coming-of-age movie about accepting yourself. There is some kissing, but no sex. This movie teaches you not just to like or be with somebody because they will make you popular, but because you want to be with someone you truly enjoy. This is also showing you that you can overcome your insecurities and that people can love you for who you are, not how you look. It might be easier for tweens and teens to understand because they might feel the same as well as Mia. Don't know how most parents are saying what they're saying. This was better than part two, in my opinion. (laughs) Interesting. Okay. Yeah. So I think we have mixed reviews in general. Some parents are more obsessed about the horniness other parents are more like, I don't really like this message. Kids are taking it as, y- it like, both, I guess. <laughs> I think it's overall a very confusing message. Yes. Uh, in conclusion, the, the Princess Diaries is a land of contrasts. Oh. <laughs> much like the land of Genovia. Yeah. So, uh, you know, the lesson for me, uh, listeners, is uh, it, 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 we shouldn't have monarchy. Like, should no. it makes no sense. Why no. are what? Why is that good? Why are we doing that? Right. What? Come on. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I think the the whole obsession with royalty that the princesses and the princess movies mm-hmm. have created gave us an opening to make this movie. But as we destroy the bourgeoisie <laughs> we will see less of this as time goes on and that's a threat <laughs> is there if there's anyone that is easy to say oh that's the that's the ruling class right there uh yeah it would be the literal uh monarchs uh right. so uh, yeah. the point is um we're, workers of the world unite yeah uh, we have nothing to lose but our chains <laughs> Uh, please join us, uh, you know, next week when we watch another live-action Disney film from the mid-90s. Oh, jeez. And uh, and we're not going to reveal what it is on this episode, other than to say uh, it is a seasonal favorite, and it's probably going to be really easy for you to guess what it is. Yeah. I got a lot of people asking if we are doing this one, so... The answer is yes. The answer is yes. yes. Uh, (laughs) Any final thoughts, Nadia? Um, I'm not going to show this movie to my children if I ever have them until they're much older and secure in who they are. I would say my final thought is I am not going to show this to my daughter unless she listens to this episode first. Nice. Okay. Oh, the other final thought I have is check out Crystal's Me and My Piano album. What an incredible voice. What an incredible (laughs) talent that went nowhere, possibly because she was a lesbian. There was speculation. Uh, So... Check her out. She's the best. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Yeah, and you can listen to that while you're waiting for our next episode to drop. In the meantime, folks, we're Probably Shoulda on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. We are Probably Shoulda on our Ko-Fi page. The link is in the show notes. We will see you next week. Bye! Stupid Cupid, you're a real mean guy. I like to clip-
Picking on me, I can't.